0: Because my name is Steve Austin, and tonight for a very, very short while, your name is Eric Bischoff. <laughs> fuck pass, right? No, fuck you! <laughs> very simply, I got one fucking word for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to November of 1995 for Volume 3 of this month's show. Volume 1 is WWF looking at Survivor Series. Volume 2 is WCW looking at World War 3. We're here for all our ECW action. I'll be joined firstly by Chris Lacey. Chris, hello. Evening, Bob. And Tom Martin.
2: Hello, Bob. How are we?
1: Uh, very well, thank you, Tom. Uh, Tom, kick us off with the news.
2: Sabu made his return at the ECW November to Remember show this month. After finishing up with WCW and agreeing to a one-night deal, Paul Heyman announced him in true Paul Heyman style at the show before Sabu wrestled a very competitive match against Hack Myers. Sabu ended up working Hakushi at a Dennis Corluzzo event earlier in November, which WWF insisted went to a DQ as Sabu was still perceived to be a WCW guy. Sabu claimed that ECW came through with a one-night offer far in excess of any deal he had previously been offered.
1: With regards to Sabu's departure in WCW, it said that the company had been upset at him for a number of reasons. Firstly, his style of wrestling that featured too much charm outside of the ring and not being able to keep to a time limit during television matches. Other stories including in not wanting his weight announced so he wasn't tight cast as a light heavyweight and in not wanting to be a mid-card performer.
2: The Public Enemy held a meeting with Vince McMahon in early November, although it said both of them and WCW are interested in signing them. The duo worked a dark match against the Smoking Guns at Survivor Series, although reports on the match weren't great. Apparently WCW have offered them a six-month contract, which would likely be worth more money, although Rocco Rock does want to work in the WWF.
1: After a series of brief matches, November to Remember featured five ten-plus-minute matches culminating in a sluggish brawl between Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer against Raven and Cactus Jack. Elsewhere on the show, Mikey Whiprat retained his ECW title against Steve Austin, who attacked Sandman before the match, and Rey Mysterio defeated Psychosis in a Mexican deathmatch. There are also wins for Ray Dudley, Conan, Steve Richards, The Pitbulls, Sandman and Two Colt Scorpio, Sabu and Bill Alfonso. Commissioner Todd Gordon and
3: Beulah McGillicuddy showed us all more than even we thought she would.
0: I am going to fight Bill Alfonso right here. I can't wait. And I want you to know, I want you to know what the stipulations are. Alfonso blindsided Commissioner Gordon. I can't believe
3: it. this. This was my my show a segment you're a woman you're lucky to even be in bill alfonso's ring todd gordon trying to fight back alfonso going to work on the commissioner with the chair he upset not because she cares about the commissioner but her segment's been interrupted got the advantage now. Do a jump onto. we got another cat fight. Get up, Bula. Get him. Ever since I came here, I knew she wanted me. You seen that girl? Are you I kidding me? me? She's a big whore. You kid, how back, dare you say that? She charges the guys in the back room. Get her out of my ring. What? You're- and Viola all over Alfonso again! And who could blame her? Commissioner Gordon is down and out! And Beulah breaks free! I, I Honestly, I think the guys let her go! Who doesn't want to see Bill Alfonso get beaten down? I've done it again! That's twice in a row! I've laid out Todd Gordon, I've sent women screaming, I've sent all the ECW fans home embarrassed. I'm Bill Alfonso. Todd Gordon, you think I'm through with you? Wrong again. ECW, you think I'm through with Todd Gordon? You're wrong, too. I'm going to kick your butt every time I get a chance. Don Gordon, I'm Bill Alfonso, and don't you ever forget it. You understand me? But
1: a rather more complicated show than usual tonight, uh, I'm presenting the bulk of it, um, but Tom is going to be taking us through the presentation of the November to remember shows he's got the match notes on those um, but we will start with the TV review uh, for the first two shows before November to remember uh, we start on November the 7th, uh, JT Smith takes on El Puerto de Recaño uh, Smith screws up getting into the ring and Recaño almost wins it with a standing moonsault before hitting a plancher to the outside Smith then messes up a top rope moonsault, but stays in it, despite this Smith hits a lovely slingshot powerbomb and wins the match, after the match Shaman comes out with a cane and lays Way to both of them. Hack Myers beats the piss out of Dances with Dudley. Salman comes out with two canes this time and starts whipping them both to the tune of chants of Sha-Shit, Sha-Shit. We get a singles match between Flyboy Rock A Rock and Two Cold Scorpio for the TV title. However, if Scorpio wins, he becomes one half of the new tag team champions. We get near the eagle's nest and Scorpio does a moonsault to Rock through two tables. Rock goes for a drive-by through a flaming table, then nearly sets himself on fire. Scorpio tries to help him put it out and they present that as a show of respect. The pair hug before Scorpio sucker-punches him and wins the titles. Sandman comes out to deal with grunge and Scorpio offers him the other title. The people in the truck, per graphic. a truck, ECW. In post-production, they put up a graphic calling him Two Gold Scorpio. We then see a recap of Bill Alfonso getting into a fight with Beulah. Alfonso calls her a slut and a whore. ECW's treatment of women continues to be first class. On to November the 14th, Cactus Jack tells ECW fans to get ready for the most boring match they've ever seen Funk emerges with Jack's opponent, Tommy Dreamer Both Dreamer and Jack decline to attack Dreamer tries to goad him into hitting him, but Jack grabs a headlock They go to the outside, Jack declines a chair and does another headlock Eventually Dreamer does go on the offence, but Jack refuses to attack Raven then comes out and lays out Dreamer Jack gets on the apron, spells out WCW with his hands Then jumps off the apron onto the ground Instead of doing his elbow Eventually Jack does start fighting until he grabs a microphone And says he's made a vow not to put his body on the line for the ECW fans again Jack says he's injured his hand in the match And it's a no contest before telling the fans to support the Terminator family this tomorrow evening Jim Molyneux grabs the mic and says we don't have no contests in ECW so Jack tells him to count him out Funk grabs the mic as Jack walks up the aisle he calls Jack's mum a whore, his girlfriend a whore, his son Dewey a whore that seems to do the trick Dream and Jack finally start brawling Dream of pile drives Jack but Jack backdrops him onto a chair Dream then somehow manages to do an enzigui kick with a chair wrapped around his foot but Jack sends him to the outside and Raven DDTs him on the floor Bueller comes out, throws some brass knuckles to Raven, who decks Dreamer. Raven then tapes the knuckles to Jack's boot. Jackman kicks Funk in the bollocks. Uh, Cactus DDT's Dreamer. Raven tells him to finish it and demands that he use a chair. Dreamer then hits Jack with a chair, pins Cactus, and wins the match. Raven then comes to the ring and DDT's Dreamer. Jack DDT's the ref, and I've got in my notes, it's all happening. Uh, Chris, we won't t- spend too long on this match. We've got plenty else to cover, but your brief thoughts on this?
4: I thought this was a really, really well-worked match. Um, Obviously, you had the beginning part where it was Jack basically going, no, no, I'm not going to fall into this and do what you want us to do. Rest hold. Which, obviously, he did last month, which was just gold. Um, I loved the use of funk. I loved how Raven got involved and Stevie got involved. It all sort of worked. And then when it did sort of go into a brawl, it, it was what they do best. You know, the insecurity with the chair around his foot, how Tommy thought that would be something to do, was genius. And it, it was a really good match. I definitely recommend going and checking it out.
1: Yeah, dare I say, spoiler alert, but I enjoyed this probably far more than I actually enjoyed on on what we got on November to remember, but we'll, we'll compare that later on. Anyway, we will shoot straight on uh, to a, a match that we're going to review properly. Next up, it's Mysterio and Conan versus La Parker and Psychosis. Mysterio starts as an arm submissions, but Psychosis deadlifts him. Mysterio takes him back to the ground. Mysterio does a drop toe hold. Uh, Psychosis goes flying to the outside. Mysterio then does a springboard Hurricane Rana to the outside. We get a lovely comedy type exchange. With Mysterio being too quick for La Parker Parker starts strutting Kodan rolls through an arm drag from the top gets a body scissors on La Parker then manages to roll that into a double arm drag of sorts Kodan then sets for a razor's edge into a powerbomb before hitting a pair of German suplexes Kodan lifts Psychosis onto his shoulders Mysterio climbs to the top and does a hurricane runner. Mysterio does a springboard planche to the outside Conan catapults Mysterio across the ring. Mysterio clashes into a flying chair for his troubles. Parker and Psychosis go for dueling topes to the outside, but both eat a steel chair. Mysterio then does a somersault splash for Psychosis, who's sat on the chair on the outside. Conan does the tope and the pair get counted out. Tom, what do you think of this?
2: Yeah, this was really good fun, this match. Uh, there was there was uh, a good showing from all four participants, I thought. I didn't think there was anyone that particularly looked better than the others. However, if I was to say the one person that shined the most, I would say it was Rey Mysterio in this. Um, mainly because of his age, I, I find it's incredible that someone at 20 years old has got that much raw talent. Uh, and actually, it seems to be pretty fine-tuned talent as well. It's not like he's, he, he looks like a rookie and you think he's in there with old hands that sort of carry him through the match. Um, he, the only thing I would say about him is that he might be, uh, a spot man rather than a, the type of guy that can work a fantastic match. However, that's not to take anything away from his performance in this match or anyone else's performance in this match. I thought everyone did their spot really well. I thought La did a good job for a masked heel, um, I thought that, um, that there were some nice spots, in, 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 like the double chair, uh, to when they died through the middle ropes and there was a double chair spot um, onto Psychosis and Parker. That was good. Uh, psychosis, psychosis took a hell of a lot of bumps. Um, that guy is not going to last another 30 years. I'm actually, I don't know how old he is, but I, I, he's not going to last long if he takes bumps like that for the rest of his career. Um, and uh, the, the finish... Normally would bother me and the crowd seemed annoyed by it, um, the double count out, but I thought for a TV taping that was an okay finish because they can save their best stuff for a uh, pay-per-view when these guys can really, really show us what they can do. So no big thumbs up from me. Chris.
4: That, all I've gotta say is that top rope doomsday hurricane rana. Oh my god, that was amazing. How, how they decided, yes, that's what we'll do. And agree, got psychosis agree to take it. Well done. Um, Conan is surprisingly agile, especially for the size of him because he's quite bulky. When you see him, he's still sort of flipping around at the sort of same sort of level as Ray and psychosis. You know, I was really impressed with this. Uh, again, check it out. It's a it's a decent TV match, and if you've not seen Lucha before. Or only seen little bits of it. This is a sort of another good place to start watching Lucha from.
1: Yeah, um, the, the, the same usual problems I occasionally have when it comes to, say, um, you know, the, the, the perceived lack of selling when it comes to lucha style wrestling. But I think I'm kind of have to accept that to a point. Um, but I, I thought, you know, that there were a number of spots in here that we can take away. You both mentioned a couple. I, I thought the the razor's edge into the uh, the sit out powerbomb was really nice from Conan too, um, and the bit where Mysterio does the drop toe hold and psychosis just slides along the deck to the outside um that was really nice too but yeah some some really nice action and you know this didn't air on tv in its entirety they kind of chopped it up a little bit we got about i think eight or nine minutes of action i suspect this was a lot longer at the uh at the live event itself but that probably helped from, from a viewing point of view in that they kind of just cut out some of the well, i don't call filler for a wrestling match for that kind of thing um and they left us with a, a very watchable very enjoyable uh tv match Right, we will now move on to our November to Remember show. Uh, Tom, open up with the results, and then I'll I'll basically just hand everything over to you, and and you can kind of help help take us through the show.
2: Yeah, sure, no problem. So, for the results, first up, Donnie Allen fought the Broad Street Bully to a no contest, and Bubba Ray Dudley defeated the Broad Street Bully in a non-advertised match, which lasted a whole 15 seconds. Conan defeated Jason Knight, with Taz as special guest referee, Stevie Richards defeated El Porto Riqueno. The Pitbulls defeated the Eliminators. Rey Mysterio defeated Psychosis. The Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio defeated the Public Enemy for the tag team titles. Bill Alfonso defeated Todd Gordon. Mikey Whipwreck defeated Superstar Steve Austin. Sabu defeated Hack Myers, and Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer defeated Raven and Cactus Jack. So, let's go through the matches, and uh, as you say, Bob, I'll lead with the... With the,
1: the Shall we do some of- opening comments first?
2: Oh sure, yeah. Why not? Um, So Bob, you 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 can lead on this one.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, I I, of all the the live events we've done this year in full. Chris, Chris, you've done a few. I think Tommy, you might have done one or two. Um, I would say this was probably my favorite by some distance. um, In the sense that, I mean, there's about you you ran through about eight or nine matches on this this card, which was longer than usual, but. A lot of the live events before were we'll have one wrestling match, a title match, and another one. We got about five really good matches that we all you know, that's a significant in length. I think there were there were five matches that ran over nine minutes. Um and, and they all had a lot of things going for them. And even the stuff that didn't was pretty entertaining. And I also think there's a a real hidden oh, it's a hidden gem. Um but probably one, uh, in a funny kind of way probably one of my favorite ecw matches of the year was on this card
2: yeah yeah I, I i would agree with you i think from the ecw events that i've seen this year this was definitely my favorite and it had so much in it that you would look at and think wow they can really build on this and the company can really get the, get a real cannonball rolling with a couple of things here uh, which we'll go on to talk about so i won't spoil that now But I enjoyed it from start to finish. There were only a couple of minor, minor things that I had that I think they could have done differently. But that's not that's not too much, you know, of a negative when you think about a a two two hours forty minutes uh, the pay view in total and as you say four or five really good matches um you can't complain as a wrestling fan when watching um the different different kinds of matches as well there was there was some that were, there was re- very wrestling heavy there was some that had practically no wrestling in at all but that's what you expect from ECW and 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 i think we're all fine with that and and if you've watched this pro, pro, uh, product more than once you'll be fine with it too so yeah i'll tell uh,
1: a quick line there was actually six matches over 10 minutes just looking at that 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 kind of so so yeah I think uh, I wouldn't say a wrestling heavy show but a more balanced CCW show than you perhaps be accustomed to.
4: It definitely had the most. It was the most pay per view like show they've done this year, if if you think of it as you know they've they've put on a whole event of all good matches whereas you know it didn't have. For argument's sake, the rotten versus rotten blood match for the sake of we need to wheel out something super hardcore. It didn't have the token, let's do a Guerrero versus Malenko because we need to have a token 20 minute wrestling match. It, it was a, a full card as if, you know, as they said last month, they're looking at going into pay per view with this sort of a card. And this sort of a show, you could make it a pay-per-view show, more than some of the stuff we've seen earlier this year.
1: Yeah, this is easily, I would say, the most balanced card we've seen, easily the most watchable event from start to finish. A lot of the others, I think, we've gone through and gone, well, this will chop up into a couple of episodes of Hardcore TV quite nicely, but as, a, as an overall watch, it doesn't hold up. This one, I think, certainly does.
2: Yeah, I, I totally would agree. And I think that's the, that's the style that ECW promote is that sort of hacked up um, approach of the the product is presented as almost like a scrapbook of these crazy moments that you're getting a little bit of an insight into this one, a little bit of an insight into that one. Whereas this, as a show, I completely agree with you both. It flowed really well. And it just shows that the company is evolving. Um, and they're learning their craft and they're learning how to present a product and a, you know, th- this is a pay-per-view. It shouldn't be presented as a bit, you know, patchy sort of uh, crazy thing. Not, not, not a
1: pay-per-view, Tom. Just a live event and uh, a video. Well, Don't forget that.
2: Well, I, I consider it a pay-per-view because I thought it was that good. But anyway, no, I take your point. Um, yeah, so, so, so we'll give it a thumbs up, I think. Um, and as, uh, after we go through all the matches, we'll, we'll give it a proper uh, overall review and, and talk about a, a score out of 10 as well. So, um, should we crack on with the, uh, the, the matches? Um,
1: let's do it. Well, we, we haven't got much to discuss in the first four, but yeah, we'll certainly go through them.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Let's get, get, get through them relatively quickly then.
1: The fans mocking Bubba Ray.
3: Remember, the one hour time limit will be strictly enforced. That is for the introductions, not the match. Big Dick makes Bubba Ray take the microphone. He's a little apprehensive about public speaking. to say it. He's gonna say it. I love this part. I love it. Well, he he was on a roll. He was so close. Poor Bubble Ray. Oh, he's really nervous now. He's frustrated. Big, big Dick's
2: Bubba Ray just clocked Donnie Allen. So uh, first up was advertised as Broad Street Bully versus Donnie Allen, uh, which swiftly uh, turned into Bubba Ray um, just taking over, really. So I mean, was, I, I guess the things to, to, to talk about here: the way it started, both fighters were in the ring uh, and were introduced to the special ring announcer Bubba Ray Dudley, sporting a fine jacket and holding a black cane. Uh, Bubba builds the show and says, let's get ready to rut, rut, rut. I didn't get any further. Bubba attacks Donnie, and Bully also takes a Bubba bomb for his troubles. Bubba gets a three count for this unadvertised match. Um, so I didn't have a problem with this. And I guess we will we, we'll sort of, you know, route through this quite quickly. I didn't have a problem with it. I think the one thing to talk about here is that Bubba Ray is actually very talented. Um, I think he's got a lot. Uh, in his game, um, he certainly can work, um, and, and he can certainly talk. Um, I don't know if the character they've given him can has got legs. Uh, I'm not sure how much they can do with it, but there's certainly uh, he, he's certainly got talent that I think they can work on uh, as time goes by. Chris, what did you what did you make of this, this thing?
4: I I liked it as a as a show beginning. You know it it was very ECW, and yet still. Sort of very grown up and show sort of a proper show beginning with having, Bubba come out sort of because there was the whole thing of him being the ringing out the special announcer for the event.
1: The, the, the so best part out. of all this was that he was the ring announcer and he had a one-hour time limit. That was <laughs> yeah. that was the, they'd asked that on the TV before. I thought that was quite a nice touch.
4: <laughs> and you know, it's good to actually see Bobber in the ring because obviously we've seen dancers within the ring, we've seen Big Dick and. In the ring as well. So to see that Bubba can work as well sort of makes me think that the Dudley boys as a whole will be something to look forward to seeing what they do with.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah I'd agree. And, and, and you know the, the tools are there. It's just a case of sort of putting them to work in the right way. I think. Uh, Bob, any
1: thoughts? I thought this was an absolute riot. Um, This wouldn't work in the WWF. This wouldn't work in WCW. um, But from the minute he came out to the minute where he he messed up the let's get ready to rumble bit, um, I thought this was brilliant. Um, It was really well done. You know, it's just like... You got Joey Styles on commentary and the crowd were like really willing him along and he reels through, what yeah, we'll play this forever. He, he runs through this spiel and then he messes up the final line. He can just, you can feel the crowd go, oh, for fuck's sake, he's messed it up again. <laughs> and it was, it was really well done. Um, as to whether he can work, I, I think let's let him wrestle some matches before we, we decide that. But the, the power bombs were quite nice. Um, and yeah, a, a big tick for, for, for this segment. And it, it you know, it, that, that was, it wasn't a match it was a show opening segment that just involved well, Ray Dudley just powerbombing people. I am very ha- more than happy with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so up next we've got Conan versus Jason Knight with Taz as our special referee. Taz signals the start of the match and nails Jason. Conan hits a crucifix powerbomb for the three count, which the crowd seems to be pleased about, and that is the match in its entirety. So Chris, what did you make of this one? Uh, short and sweet, but uh, any thoughts?
4: Conan destroy.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty spot on, Bob.
1: Yeah, um, nice little segment for the match, um, and yeah, another. Uh, I don't know that I have done this now. Uh, I might have put this in. Well, I suppose we'll, we needed Taz later on. I might have put this in as filler between one of the matches later on, but as a segment, it was fine.
2: Yeah, agreed. So moving on. Next up, we've got Stevie Richards versus Pablo Marquez. Stevie greets a fan who gives him a Flock of Seagulls T-shirt as a gift. What else would you want for Christmas? And it's the blue meanie. Stevie invites him in. Pablo flies to the outside, taking out Richards to start the match. He hits a moonsault and then a flying dropkick from the top rope. Pablo flies through the middle rope to take out meanie. But Richards brings him down to gain control. A Stevie bomb on Pablo. He hoists him up and drops him down on the top rope. Another Stevie bomb, and he sends Meanie up to the top rope, who misses a large moonsault. Pablo with a roll up for a two count. Stevie then hits a super kick and gets the three count for the win. Chaps, what did we make of this one? Chris, I'll go to you first. It was a fun little
4: match, you know. It was what you'd expect out of a Stevie Richards match. Um Wherever they found this blue meanie fellow from, I have no idea, but the fucking state of him. (laughs) Whoever decided that Daisy Dukes in a cut-off t-shirt on a £300 man with blue hair is a good idea, I do not know.
2: Yeah, I don't think we want to know where they came up with the idea for that one either, because I think it would disturb us greatly. Um, but I, I agree. I think that you could sense that the whole purpose of this match was just to introduce Blue Meanie to everyone and to, um, to to link in with Stevie. Uh, so Bob, what did you think?
1: Well, we, we had one match that never got started. Two matches that were under 30 seconds each, and we got the three minutes here, so we, we're building into it. Uh, yeah, this was fine. Uh, my, my main takeaway from the match, uh, among other things, was the I, I thought a lovely bit of camera work on the super kick. Kind of got nice and low um, and gave it. I'm a, 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 a quite a big. Yeah, when it comes to photography and framing wrestling, um, and I thought the camera did a really good job of getting the angle on that just right. Uh, the match itself was three minutes. The action was fine. Uh, it wasn't long enough to be any good, but yeah, no, perfectly acceptable.
2: So up next we have the Eliminators with Jason Knight versus the Pitbulls with Francine. Saturn and Pitbull One start the match. Saturn takes the upper hand, slamming Pitbull One. Pitbull returns a slam, and Saturn unloads in the corner. Pitbull throws Saturn into the corner and unloads right back. Pitbull 2 tags in and drops an elbow for a two count. Cronus tags in and receives a power slam. Dragon suplex on Pitbull 2. Saturn's back in and delivers an impressive clothesline from the middle rope to the outside and then delivers a moonsault to the outside. Cronus pulls out of a pin to continue the punishment on his opponent. Jason hits a cheat shot and Pitbull 2 fights back but flies himself into the ring post, falling outside the ring. Lots of blood pouring from his elbow after that one. Impressive high elbow from the top from Saturn for a two count. Harukarana from the top for another two. Pitbull two delivers a power bomb and a brawl breaks out between everybody. A good tiger bomb from Saturn on Pitbull one. A guillotine from Pitbull one from the top and Jason breaks up the count. Pitbulls continue taking control of the match, which eventually ends in a super bomb from the top rope for a three count and the win. Uh, chaps, what did we make of this match? I, I thought this was good I thought um, uh, it, it was another positive match It was Again, it, it, it was given a decent uh, length It wasn't too short like, like the matches that proceeded But you could argue um, I, I, I really, really like the total elimination finisher um, I think we've seen it before From other teams somewhere I can't, can't put my finger on where um, But I, I love that And I think uh, Satin's actually Perry Satin's a, a, a good talent He's, he's got some, some skills um, That I'd like to see them utilise more um Bob, what did
1: you make of this one yeah really good um in terms of two tag teams that have got a look down um are all quite similar wrestlers, which I think helps in this case in that they 're all kind of power led but they 've got a little bit of you know, athleticism in amongst it and given, you know, that the kind of action we're going to see later on, I think that we talk about ECW being a mix of stars. This is certainly part of it. You know, the more kind of power based, muscular, not huge guys, but, but big on, on an ECW average. Um, yeah, really impressive. Um, the uh, the tag team Moonsault was quite nice oh, I I agree with your assessment on Saturn I don't think anyone was was particularly um, I think Cronus and the Pitbulls both held their own this match uh, we, we got more laser eyes from Joey Stiles there was a quick cut on one of them and Joey who theoretically is in the eagle's nest says that gash is at least two inches wide I'm like how the, <laughs> how the hell are you supposed to have seen that um, but yeah, now, other than that very good uh, the bit after the match with Jason kissing Francine was also quite nice um. Yeah. Good stuff.
2: Yeah. Agreed, Chris. It
4: was a stiff close, stiff tag match with both these boys not fucking about and throwing each other around. And you know, I've I do watch quite a bit of Japanese stuff here and there. You know, and also watching AE stuff for Super Bowls. I do like a good stiff clothesline and a good stiff suplex in my tag team wrestling. So I will definitely take more of seeing these two beat the shit out of each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. You wouldn't have minded if this went on. This one went on for another five minutes just to see the sort of chaos that there. Uh, it was really. I agree with you. It was really heart hitting And 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 when 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 everybody in the match puts in that shift and takes those uh, takes those bumps and everything is delivered so so snugly. Um, I always enjoy matches like that, even if the flow of the match is slightly off or whatever. I think when 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 you could see, they all put an absolute shift in. And uh, yeah, oh, agree, agreed, boys, agreed. So uh, moving on to the next match, we've got Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. in a Texas death match. The intros are delivered in English and Spanish, including the rules of the match. We have a fast start and Rey it delivers a hurricanrana roll up for a three count. Psychosis is up at a five count and the match continues. Ray hits a hurricanrana to the outside. He sets the rail up and tries to launch himself from the railings backwards but fails. Psychosis takes control and hits a nice moonsault for a three. Ray is up with one count remaining and looks hurt at this stage. Psychosis is back on the front foot and works on Ray in the corner. More offence and Psychosis hits a powerbomb for another three count, which Ray gets up at one count remaining again. He gets a chair from the outside and throws it back. Psychosis hits an inverted on for the three. And Ray again gets up with only one count remaining. A DDT onto the chair and a moonsault is hit, including the chair. And we have another three count. And Ray very gingerly gets up at two. Psychosis works specifically on Ray's knee and lands on the chair as Ray starts to make a comeback line to the outside, and Rey soars with a slingshot moonsaw into the crowd. Back outside the ring, and they move into the crowd once again. Rey delivers a huge hurrah from the announcing platform, and gets another three count. Psychosis this time does not get up, and Rey Mysterio is announced as your winner. So, chaps, uh, talking points on this one. Uh, obviously, we've got the, the uh, outcome of the match itself, but um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the Texas uh, deathmatch. As a, uh, stipulation, I find it's, it repeats itself very quickly and it's quite, the, the structure of the match works quite, uh, linearly in the, in the, you, you have a sort of faster count for the, when, when, when the opponent first goes down and then it, then, it's, then it gets down to a three count, then it's a two, then it's a one. In this case, it just started with Ray getting from one counts from the start, uh, and eventually getting the comeback. I, I'm not a huge fan of the, um, of the match, but that's not, to, uh, the match type. That's not to take away from the talent involved. Um, Chris, what did you make of this one?
4: I concur with you, Tom. With the fact that I can't stand death matches. Um, it's okay if you, you're doing it in the way that you know you have to beat them down so they can't answer the, t- the count, but the pin then not answer the count. But I don't really like. You know, I don't mind it if, say, it's Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. You know, they've put him for a table. He then magically gets up at eight. But with the high flying lucha style, it it's not my sort of thing to have this as a death match. But you can't take away from the spots in this. Um, some of the the things that these two were doing is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, the high flying, like the 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 last bump. With him going off the crow's nest. That is an amazing visual. Yeah, I agree, but, it was amazing. But then the walk back to the ring, ten count, meh. yeah. Seeing yeah. a pin. You know, one, two, three, decisive done, thank you very much, your winner. It it just takes away for it from me.
2: I know. You, you, you can imagine if that was the end to a sort of uh, you know back and forth falls count anywhere match, or even just a standard ECW rules match, where the falls count anywhere seems to come in half the time anyway. Um, that would that would have been such a great way to finish it, because he could have stood on the stage and sort of turned to the crowd, and it would have been a real sort of celebratory moment when he actually got to trod you know trodle on back to the ring. And I, I I couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, Bob, what did you make of this one?
1: Yeah, three for three on not being a deathmatch fan. Um, in terms of, you know, we we I think it was uh, I want to say Halloween Havoc '93. We got Cactus Jack against Vader in ECW, uh, WCW rather. I remember watching that and thinking, man, this would have been a great match. He just got rid of the stipulation. Um, and yeah, likewise with Psychosis, Pit Mysterio four times in this match and lost. Um, that's like. I know it's a different match with different rules, but it's like, that doesn't really seem right, even though within the rules it makes sense, and I don't know, I've never particularly been a fan of the whole, you get a guy free, you pin a guy, and then he's got 10 seconds to get back up, so he's just lost, um, that being said, the action was, was good, as you'd expect, apparently Mysterio's working with a bit of an injury, um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. But the action was impressive. Um, these two will have better matches. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in Mexico, this kind of multi-pin format works. I know they do a lot more falls-based matches in Mexico, which maybe ties into this kind of thing. Um, but I don't know that this is necessarily um, going to translate. you uh, have you got the post-match notes um, to, to run through as well?
2: Um, I've, I've just got yeah that Jason uh, Jason Knight obviously um, wants to manage Ray um, and Ray responded rather quickly by saying no and attacking Jason after he got quite insulting. Uh, the Eliminators then attacked Ray and 911 made the save with a big double choke slam on the pair. Um, I, I thought that was a nice segment, actually. I, I thought that um, it was believable that Ray wouldn't side with Jason and wouldn't go with him because that just wouldn't make sense from the from the look of his character and from the, the way he is. Um, and 911 and Ray make a really quirky team. Uh, whether they're actually whether they'll actually run with it or not uh, and do anything with it after this, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a great idea really long term. Um, but it was a nice bit of fun. Uh, what, what did you make of that sort of after match bit, Chris?
4: I, I thought it was a good visual to see. Ray on nine one one shoulders. Um, obviously, nine one one is a bit of a strange character for me because he serves the purpose of coming down and being sort of justice and attacking people. But he just, you know, sometimes he's a weapon for hire because he does Paul Heyman's bidding, and then sometimes he comes out as the as a sort of peacekeeper and sort of savior of the good guy as he did tonight. Um, it's just one of those of what is he and what's he meant to be? It does confuse me at times with him. But, you know, him coming down to help Ray worked so well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Bob,
1: what did you yeah. make of it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean not, not not a massively significant segment, but um, you know, a nice little bit of storyline progression. Um I wouldn't pair up Mysterio and nine one one long term, but as as a one off match uh, Mysterio does the bulk of the legwork, number one comes in, cleans house, they win. I, I, I think that'll be fine as a, as, as a mid-card match on a future show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, clearly the ECW fans just absolutely love getting a choke slam, so a double choke slam is never going to be turned away, uh, from the peeps in Philly. Okay, so moving on to the next match, we've got Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio versus Public Enemy for the world tag titles.
1: People find it's Two Gold Scorpio.
2: Oh you're shining Bob You are shining with that one Yeah apologies I missed the uh, Impressive graphic that ECW put on the screen To show that one so um, uh, I stand corrected Uh, I am not going to refer to him as too gold though Because that would get annoying Um, So uh, Introductions are done and we have a dance off uh, Which everybody always loves to see Um, And first things first I would say That Scorpio has got some serious moves Um, And uh, Two Cold and Sandman attack from behind once the public enemy are doing their dance moves. Um, and then enemy regain control, throwing their opponents to the outside, uh, getting the block party going once again, which the crowd clearly enjoy. Sandman and Grunge are in the ring and the match finally gets underway. Grunge takes control and throws Sandman to the outside. Scorpio hits a crossbody on Grunge and Sandman drops an elbow. They all grab a chair and we have a swing away on our hands. The four men battle in the ring, then all work their way to the outside. Grunge is busted open inside the ring as Scorpio works on him. A splash from the middle rope and there's a two count on Scorpio. Sandman and Rock are still fighting on the outside. Sandman tags in and mocks the crowd. Sandman hits a shoulder breaker. The whole match seems to turn a tad chaotic and unorganised at this stage in terms of who's in the ring and who should be fighting who. Uh, the champs regain control again. And a uh, a powerbomb and a two count from Scorpio and another. Sandman comes back in. Woman canes Flyboy to the head twice, which seems unnecessary, but she does it anyway. Sandman is back dropped on, onto the table on the outside of the ring, which doesn't break. Grunge is then dropped chest first through the table. A slingshot plancher from Flyboy to the outside. Grunge tags in and Flyboy misses the drive-by, flattening Grunge. Sandman collapses sideways onto Grunge for the three count and retains the tag belts, winning himself a world title match as a result. Now, um, chaps, I will hand to you before giving my thoughts on this one, because uh, I'd like to hear how you felt about it. So, uh Bob, let's let's start with you. What did you make of
1: it? Tom, did you miss in your notes that, well, I, I may have dreamt this, um, but there was a prosthetic hand involved in this, wasn't there? <laughs>
2: I don't like to focus on prosthetic hands, so I, I chose to to leave it out. There was I'm, so just many... being, I'm
1: just being factual. One of the guys went into into the front row of the crowd and pulled the hand off one of the people in attendance and used it as a weapon.
4: He did it... use a fake hand and slapped him.
1: I I thought that was really good. Um, right. It, OK. It, it, in terms of the match, um, yeah, it was it was about what you'd expect in in the. In the you know i think we'll see better public enemy matches. sandman is sandman 2 gold scorpio is 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 playing the kind of e c w all rounder role very nicely um I don't think this match was necessarily anything special, but it, it, equally it was. I, I've seen far worse than ECW this year. Um, one of the cane shots by a woman, to, I think it was Johnny Grunge, looked absolutely horrendous. Um, caught him right on the back of the head. That didn't look fun at all. Um, and then I think my favourite was probably after the match, um, because Sandman was, was out when he collapsed onto Grunge and... Um, won the match. And Scorpio revived him with a can of beer, which I thought was quite nice as well. Um, so, yeah, a, a mild thumbs up from me.
2: Okay. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Chris, what about you? It
4: it was what you'd expect from a public enemy match without a flaming table. Um, Too Cold does what Too Cold does best. Sandman does what Sandman does, which is somehow pretend to be a wrestler in a drunken state. But you know he's good at it. Um, I liked, I did like the beginning. I really did like uh, the whole comedy part of the beginning with the dance off. I thought that was really, really well worked. Um, yeah, I- for the story, for how the match goes, with the fact that soundman got the pin, and how it forwarded on for the rest of the evening was was the best option as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I do agree with you both. In the, the it wasn't a terrible match, but I certainly don't think that it, that it was good either. Um. I've I've done the ECW show before, and I've made no bones about saying my thoughts on Sandman. I think he's dead weight. I think he's. I I, I I always think he's surely he'll improve, or or he'll he'll do something to justify his sort of godlike status he seems to have with the crowd. There, they love him. They absolutely love him. And I get that's because of him coming out and drinking his beers and smoking, and he's got women as well. I, pre- I appreciate it, it's quite. a a masculine sort of favorite character, bearing in mind probably ninety percent of the people in the, in the crowd are blokes but um
1: I... there's also the thought that if you're in the crowd, you often wonder what would happen if someone with no wrestling experience like me got in the ring and with Sandman you get to find out so you know there's there's that as well in that he is kind of people can vicariously live through him in the ring and he can he can do a lot of crazy shit so you don't have to i think there's that part of that's that as well he's very relatable.
2: Yeah, I get that, but I also think that there's a different side to that coin when you look at someone like Mikey Whipwreck, who you know you look at and you go, he looks like a guy that shouldn't be in there with the people he's fighting but because of how good he is and how quick he is and all that. I think because he's actually got talent. I don't think that Sandman's got any talent. Uh, that's that's my, And that's my only problem. But I know what you're saying, Bob. He, he, he is very relatable to um, people in the crowd that are probably drinking beer and smoking as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I take your point. Um, but, and, and, but the crowd clearly enjoyed this match as well. What do you what do you chaps make of um of Sandman and Two Gold um as as tag champs? Do you think it works? Do you think there's legs in that tag team? I actually thought they had good chemistry. Um, Bob, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I I don't know whether they. I mean, obviously we're going to talk, discuss the public enemy thing at the end, and, and by no means a public enemy gone um, uh, this time of recording, but. The the change felt a little bit abrupt when they did it at the at the event at the end of October, um, and I wonder whether it was a case of we need to get the belts off of these guys quickly so that we can be free to let them go because obviously, you know we don't know when we're going to be taping next. Um... Two gold Scorpio and Sandman. It's an odd combination where you've got the pit bulls and the eliminators wrestling such a good match earlier in the show. Um, but yeah, in the short time it makes sense, but I don't expect them to be tag champions come, say, end of January. I think this is just a, a pairing for convenience.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see what you're saying. Uh, Chris, anything else to add? No, I, I think it is just a, a stopgap
4: to, A, give Sandman something to do, and also, sort of, just in case the the enemy do go, there's no chance of them disappearing with your belts.
2: Yeah, okay, absolutely. So, moving on next, we have Bill Alfonso versus Todd Gordon, with Beulah McGillicuddy as the special referee. Bueller walks out and is followed by Alfonso. Todd Gordon enters the arena and is wearing a classic 90s shell suit that any man would be proud to wear in a street fight. Alfonso attacks from the ring apron and lays into Gordon in amongst the fans. Alfonso then decides to deck Beulah. Gordon goes to work and we have clearly got no referee. Todd lays the punches in and the crowd chants, we want blood. Gordon hops up from the bottom rope and stomps on Fonzie. A low blow later, and Fonzie has gained control of the match. Fonzie clearly blades himself on camera, and the br- and the crowd get exactly what they asked for. Alfonso seemingly can't open his left eye as Gordon smacks him around some more. Back in the ring, and Todd has a frying pan. Fonzie takes it but receives a low blow, a pan to the face, but no one is there to count the pin. Taz runs in to make the three count, which clearly pleases the fan, the fans. But he doesn't make the three count. After two, he stands, decks Gordon, and puts Fonzie on top of him for the three count and the win. Uh, so, that, the the match was the match. Um, there was something that happened after the match, which I think we'll talk about separately. Um, but in terms of, this is not, they, these aren't two professionals. Uh, certainly not in-ring professionals anyway. Um, I don't think anyone expected this to be a classic. Um, and I know, I think that it, it was, probably as good as anyone thought that it could be, I think. Um, What what, what, what did you two make of it? Chris, let's start with you. Um, Other than the fact it
4: was for story and it progressed to story and obviously the whole Taz thing afterwards, but there was no need for this to have as much time as it had. Um, It was an absolute shower of shite, but... You know, it it served a purpose in a story. It just didn't need to be as long. long.
2: Yeah, I I, I, I guess I, I can see what you're saying. I'm, I'm just thinking because of the time and effort that the company have put into um, Alfonso as arguably their top heel. Um, for him to be in a match, for I, I guess if they were to make it a minute uh, or two, even um, I'm not sure if that would get, have been sort of justice. I, I'm not sure. Um, Bob, what do, you, what do you make of that? The sort of the timing of the match, and also just you know overall thoughts.
1: Yeah, it went seven minutes. I was probably there at about three or four, thinking, yeah, I, I've probably got my fill now. Um, mm. That being said, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Chris. It felt a bit long, but equally, it didn't. It didn't drag. It ju- I just felt like it could have been more effective if it had been a bit shorter. Um, but Alfonso's really good. Todd Gordon. It is. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing. And and we'll come to um, you know when we kind of discuss ECW as a whole probably on, on next month's show in terms of their, their kind of year in review type thing. I think that we're in front of a crowd that doesn't like to boo people Alfonso's one of those guys they will boo on command so it's you know in that sense it was fine yeah decent match a bit long um and but no I, I wasn't Yeah, you know, again you know as I mentioned in the TV review their, their treatment of women continues to be abhorrent but I get the feeling that's just the environment um yeah I, I was fine with this um, but I do agree with Chris probably about two or three minutes too long
3: He's raising Alfonso's head.
0: To <laughs> chant his fucking name all night, he ain't coming. Not one card. Not one letter. Not one phone call. What are you talking Tommy about? Dreamer nearly gets his fingers busted off his hand. Everybody's crying the blues about Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Terry Funk right in this building. Everybody's crying the blues about the legend Terry Funk. What the hell is going on here? And then. The Almighty, your God, the King himself, Sabu, nearly gets his neck snapped in half like Chris Benoit, and everybody's pissing and fucking moaning about fucking Sabu. What's the point? What about me? Oh, fuck you! Okay And then and then my buddy Paul Heyman Hey my wait a minute buddy, Paul Heyman Hey Taz take your time brother Don't worry you'll get back in the ring real soon you'll get them back to work real soon Yeah but see Paul the problem lies here my father ain't so fat the lawyer that pays my way through Hey, now wait a I'm minute. I'm to pay my fucking bills. Who cares about my family? Who cares about my house? Who cares about my I daughter? Do. I, do. I do. You do. I'll tell you who cares about me. And that's Bill Alfonso. No! Bill Alfonso Every day wants to put food on my table. Bill Alfonso wants to put money in my pocket. Choke on that fool. <laughs> so, the way... <laughs> Hey, leave him alone! <laughs> the way I see it, you people don't care about me, you don't care about Bill Alfonso, so we don't give a flying fuck about you!
2: Okay, so, uh, alluded to this, but after the match, we were uh, treated to a promo from Taz, who uh, openly berated the crowd and moaned about not getting cards from everyone in the, in the audience um, when he was injured. Taz laid into everyone and says that the only person who does care about him is Bill Alfonso. Taz almost got into a fight with a fan in the front row who tried to jump over the rail, literally. Uh, and I would say that it was nuclear heat for the company's new number two heel, uh, Fonzie, of course, being number one, in my opinion. So, um, I thought this, this promo was fantastic, uh, boys. I, I, I thought that Taz was so comfortable in the position of giving it. Um, he looked a lot more natural, uh, in that heel role. Um, the language helped, I think, because you got the impression that he was really bitter, really pissed off, and really had had enough. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to get people to hate him immediately, who, who better to put him with than, than Fonzie? Um, I think Taz showed that he 's got a lot of talent here it, on the microphone in that role um and I just think it's i, I, Taz, well, I mean, Taz, taz's sort of push was was cut short when he had that horrible injury um but I think this is a really really clever way to keep that momentum going but in a different direction as a heel because as i say i think he looks he looks more natural um in that in that role so Bob thoughts.
1: Um. Yeah. Um. uh, In total agreement. Um. I. You know. As as I said a minute ago. You know. This isn't a crowd that want to boo very many people. Um. ECW is a promotion that could do with a genuine heel. And if it means pairing them with Bill Alfonso, then so be it. Um. I assume Taz is fit now because I. I think there's a. A very quick case for getting him in the ring now. This angle has taken place, you know, the, the kind of thing next month where Todd Gordon will, will pick his guy to go off against Bill Alfonso's bloke. That, that probably makes most sense. Um, but, yeah, no, a, a very good promo, very believable. Um, and, yeah, like a company that needs, uh, like, a, an in-ring heel that I don't have many of, uh, this was really good and a really significant moment.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Chris,
4: over to you. Completely agree with, uh, Bob. Obviously, the easy thing is to do next month, Taz versus some ECW guy, maybe the Shah, maybe 911, you know, as Todd Gordon's ECW guy, um put something on the stakes, you know, if Taz wins, Todd can, uh, Alfonso stays, Todd loses his job, that sort of thing. You've got an instant news story going forward. Um, also, with the whole of that promo, you could tell as that was coming out of his mouth that that was real bitterness. That it was a case of, yeah, you didn't fucking give a shit when I was hurt. These other guys you gave a shit about, but you didn't give a shit about me. So fuck you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was great, wasn't it? When he when he mentioned Tommy Dreamer, g- g- almost getting his fingers b- busted off his hand, and you're all crying and sending him cards and, and saying we miss you, Tommy. And it, it really, it, I don't know, if, I don't know if he if he it, sort of if it was a shoot as you say, whether it was written, but either way, it felt like a shoot, didn't it?
4: How how he said it and how it came across, there was there was a level of of reality behind it which you don't always get. With those sort of a promos,
1: and I think as well on the sidebar, um, you know they're they're going to need a new opponent for Mikey Whipwreck fairly soon, uh, assuming Taz is ready to get back in the ring. I think that's a that's a very logical matchup.
2: Okay, up next we have Sandman versus Mikey Whipwreck for the World Heavyweight Title, or do we? So before Sandman can actually have his world title match. On the way to the ring, he's attacked by Steve Austin in the aisle. Austin completely takes Sam Mann out and, for whatever logic you wish to apply, gets the title shot against Mikey Wittreck himself. So, up next, we have Mikey Wittreck versus Steve Austin for the World Heavyweight title. A very bitter Austin tells Mikey on the microphone, Tonight, you're Eric Bischoff. Not a good start. Austin lunges at Mikey and smacks him around on the outside of the ring. He delivers a number of shots and elbows and some stiff boots to follow. Mikey's whipped into the guardrail. The crowd chants for Hogan. Austin replies with a big boot and a leg drop. Brother. Mikey is dropped onto the guardrail. Mikey receives a whip and throws Austin into the rail himself on a reversal. Mikey attempts to come back, but Austin delivers the stun gun onto the top rope for a two count. Mikey rolls Austin up after a sunset flip. And holds his tights for the three count. Austin attacks Mikey after the match, before heading to the back in a fit of rage. So uh, this match, not the one that was advertised, uh, boys. Um, there's a few talking points. Um, I think it's it's clear that uh, Steve Austin is they're onto something with him, in my opinion. Um, what that something is, I can't quite put my finger on. Uh, but a bit like Taz, you get you get the impression that he really is hacked off. And I think we can probably take a guess as to why that is. Um I don't know if the character that he's got at this stage is going to work um to, to suit that uh, sort of uh, anger that he's got. Maybe it's the look. I'm not quite sure. Something, something, something's not quite right there. But there is something to be to be worked upon. Uh, there was next to no wrestling in this match, really. And, and Mikey took an absolute pounding um from start to finish, really. Um, but it wasn't that long. And I think it served the purpose of uh, uh pushing whatever it is that they're pushing with, with with Steve Austin. So, uh Bob, what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, a few notes first up, uh, the Sandman attack, afterwards um, a, uh, a couple of paramedics came out and he did a stretcher job, I believe that's a <clears throat> throwback to the, basically after the fire uh, at the live at the end of November they had a kind of review and a meeting over ECW standards and one thing that they were kind of given a slap on the wrist for was a lack of medical staff so I wonder whether that was a little kind of inside joke there, um,
4: we also and the fact they called damage control as well.
1: Yeah, that too, that too. Uh, we also got you both suck dick chants uh, from the crowd. The uh, Philadelphia crowd is forgiving as ever. Um, that was the, Bob. That was the, uh,
2: they. They chanted that a number of times throughout it, and I thought what, having, having not watched ECW for a couple of months, I thought it had just become a staple and it was like you know just part of the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. Um, My name is Steve Austin, and tonight your name is Eric Bischoff. That was a really good line to open up the match. Um, Yeah, you're right, there, there wasn't much wrestling in this match. I think the match was probably four or five minutes away from actually being something memorable or or decent um i must admit uh, when hogan did went when hogan went off, when offside did the hogan leg drop and big boot i think the only thing that bit was missing was was mikey kicking out at two and hulking up um i think uh, yeah that, that would have sent the match right over the edge if for about 20 30 seconds whipwreck would have hulked up and started no selling i mean that yeah, perfect yeah. um but other than that nice match No, but that's probably where the praise ends. Um, uh, 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 And and I don't particularly want to see the moon over Philadelphia again. Although that being said, although I'm not not referencing his arse in this, but Austin, for a guy who's been injured for the last few months, physically looks in very good nick.
2: Yeah, he does. He's certainly been spending his time off down down the gym, I would would predict. Uh, Chris, what did you make of it?
4: I was just going to say the same as Bob just said about Austin looking in good good shape. Um, Obviously, it was one of the things that we said about Um, when he first arrived a couple of months ago was how is he going to be when he comes back from this injury and he looks like he's not Mr. B you know Um, and also with Mikey winning on the roll up as I said last month it's a way to keep Mikey the underdog yet get wins on people because you know yes he got the sneaky underdog roll up with the grabbing tights win but mikey didn't look like you know the winner at the end of it which is what you need for his character to keep him as the underdog and keep him as the the sympathetic baby face that you're willing for him to win so you know as as a whole it worked really really well um yeah I, I think it it was the perfect match in a story that both of them come out looking awesome out of it
2: yeah i I'd, I'd agree that there, there there were no losers in this match uh you know in terms of um their their characters and and, and how they looked after it uh, I'm just, I'm just a bit curious on this one, uh, chaps, you might be able to educate me that Steve Austin, is this the first time we've seen him, um, since his injury? Or since, since he, you know, uh, first appeared a few months ago? Do, defined,
1: seeing him, yeah, I was gonna say, he's done a couple of promos, um, kind of back, well, backstage, kind of, um, uh, on, on camera promos, he did that Bischoff impression. Uh, he also, okay. ca- he also came out at the start of the Sandman, uh, Mikey Whitrat ladder match, Um, where Mikey won the title, called Woman a uh, cheap $5 whore and then walked off and said, when I'm ready, I will face whoever wins this match. Um, And so this was that, basically.
2: Right, okay, so, okay, so he's, he's sort of working his way into it a little bit, cause it's, yeah. for me, for me, as, as only just watching this and not too much TV this month, I just thought, I can, I can see that the roots are there for something, you know, for a really good heel character. I wasn't just, it didn't seem quite defined for me at this stage, but maybe that's, maybe that's, um, intentional, uh, cause he's meant to just be off the rails and, uh, unpredictable. Um, okay. Okay, good stuff. So, um, moving on next, we've got Sabu versus Hack Myers. Paul Lee introduces us to Sabu. We get underway and Sabu gets to work on Myers' left leg immediately. An awkward snapmare is followed by a slingshot leg kick for a two count only. Sabu delivers a DDT. He slingshots it back into Myers, another two count. He works his arm and then another slingshot for another two. He gives a splash into the corner, but Myers delivers a power slam for a two count. Myers delivers the coup de grace, but can't get the pin thanks to Paul Lee, which the referee does not see. Sabu comes back and lands a guillotine leg drop, a nice spinning DDT plants Myers, another couple of two counts, Sabu flies to the outside for a hurricanrana on the floor, Sabu flies at Myers on the rail from a chair, Sabu leaps from the top rope which Myers turns into a powerbomb, a standing suplex from Myers, a victory roll from the top for a two count for Sabu, Myers grabs a chair with a fan's jacket still attached to it and smacks Sabu in the head with a jacket for extra impact. Myers continues his offence, but lands face, face first onto a chair. Sabu gives the crowd exactly what they want by throwing himself and Myers through a table on the outside. Back in the ring, Sabu hits an atomic Arabian face buster with a chair for the three count and the win. So, Sabu is back, boys. Um... He, I don't think he's changed very much, um, and I think that's probably a good thing, because the fact that he hadn't changed uh, when he was down at WCW is why I, he's back.
1: I, I disagree with that, but carry on, Tom.
2: Oh, okay, right. I, personally, I didn't see a lot here that I hadn't seen before, um, but again, that's probably maybe that might be because of the amount of Sabu that you've seen it uh, over me. However, I thought this was uh, a good match. I, I, I thought it had a really nice flow to it, um, and I thought that previously, when I have watched Sabu, I have thought to myself, he might be a spot worker, um, rather than a, rather than a, a, a good, a good in-ring tech, sort of technician type, type, type guy. Um, but I thought he was better here. Um, so p- perhaps he has improved. But, uh, that, that, that was my thought. And Hack Myers is over with the crowd. Um, and the crowd enjoy watching him, whoever he's fighting. So I would say overall, in my opinion, it was a, a successful return for Sabu. But, uh, Chris, what did you make of it?
4: I actually thought it was quite sloppy from Sabu, actually. Um, he, he seemed to be, ...misjudging lots of his... ...his jumps... ...um... ...slipping on the ropes... ...at times... ...um...
2: Has, ...hasn't he often... ...hasn't he always done that though? ...because I've always thought... ...that his style was a little bit... ...sort of chaotic... ...and a bit sloppy...
4: He ...does suit the character... ...it was a little bit more sloppy... ...than... ...before I thought it was... Mm. ...okay... It, it just... ...you know... He, ...he did some... ...he did his usual good stuff... ...you know... ...the top rope flip leg drops... ...and the Arabian Face Buster... ...and... ...you know... ...putting himself for a table he did the Sabu greatest hits. But, you know, it's just one of those of, ah, Sabu's here and he's doing what Sabu does. We've seen it before. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those, uh, you know, I think, I think with Sabu, he is, as I've said before, with the violence for ECW, you know, you get to that point of, well, I've seen it now. What are you gonna do now? You know, like we've said last month, you know, um me and Dell were going on about how the flaming table wasn't used properly because, you know, it was literally just a spot in something. There yeah, we're seeing a flaming table. What are you gonna do now? Sabu is the humanized version of that where everything he does we've seen you know, we've seen him put himself for a table, we've seen him do the the sort of table, the triple jump, moonsaults and things like that. I think because he does it all the time, and he that it it sort of hurts the character that that's all he is.
2: Yeah, I can, I can see where you you're coming from. I mean, one one thing I would say, uh, perhaps uh, in contrary to that, is, is I, I often judge my opinion uh, on my, what well how a crowd reacts to a match or how they reacted to uh, one person in the match, and I I thought that the crowd seemed to really enjoy this, and whether that's just because, you know, he's an ECW favourite, rather than actually him putting in a good performance, I don't know, but the crowd really seemed to appreciate him being there, so... I, I do I, you make some really valid points but i think that's also a fair a fair thing to sort of challenge it with is to say well sometimes it, 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 it i think i think you know the company would be happy if when, when sabu came backstage saying all well, the crowd you know we're eating that eating that up out of the palm of your hand i mean certainly that's the impression that i got um so bob what about you what did you make of it
1: yeah we seem to have a mixed bag of opinions here i thought this was really really good um you know, just got like attacks from a number of different angles. I mean, in terms of Sabu on his return, I think, you know, Dave Meltzer, when he was writing about Sabu's return in in one of the Observers this month, said, you know, uh, it might have even been last month actually, before prior to his return, just talking about Sabu, and he said that one thing that Paul Heyman managed to do was to trick people into believing Sabu was the best wrestler in the world, which is patently false. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that was that kind of Fueled that opinion was that Sabu was getting all these great ratings off of these ludicrously fast paced matches that involved a shitload of high spots that were were nuts. Let's let's not undersell them. But in terms of the building blocks or wrestling match, weren't all there. Um, goes to w c w kind of as kind of as a sabu we'd recognize from e c w and as we, as we noted in in the in the news at the top gets a lot of criticism for you know, a number of things i wasn't that that list at the top was by no means exhaustive um and then he came in here and i thought to me and you know i i think you you two guys seem to to disagree on one level or another i thought to me showed a different pace in the this match went 13 minutes um I felt like he was more considered in his spots. We still got the big spots. We still got the, well, as as Chris quite brilliantly called it, the triple jump moonsault spot. Um, I I do wish he was actually on a, in an actual triple jump, but anyway, that's slightly different. Um, (laughs) but we got the, the, the the moonsault spot off the chair over the top through the table. Uh, the, the kind of, the, the, the big finish, which is kind of the front flip off the turnbuckle with a chair was, was excellent. Um, but a a better-paced Sabu match I've never seen. And the other thing I thought they did a tremendous job here was just Hack Myers. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a who's been an opening match act in ECW for as long as I can remember. Um, gets put in what? Well, maybe not the semi-main, perhaps the cool-down match in the middle. Um, but they made him look really, really good here. And Paul Heyman, for even before the match, but certainly after, they were both kind of showing respect to him. Uh, I don't know that I've enjoyed many ECW matches this year more than this one, um, for, for a number of reasons. Wow. Um, you know, like yeah, you know, my my the style of wrestling I enjoy is is probably a little bit different in terms of. I think objectively, I perhaps wouldn't say this is the second best ECW match this year, um, but subjectively, I think this is probably my second favorite ECW match behind Benoit and Snyder.
2: Wow, okay, H- high praise indeed. I mean, I know what you mean, though. That there is something to be said for what you think would be the best match and what you consider to be your favourite match. So, I, d- I do take that point. Um, yeah, and, and chaps, what do, what do we think of of Sabu? Like here, I mean, this is this is a one night deal, as I understand. And t- it.
1: Tom, Tom, and Chris, any follow up on what, what I said there before we move we on?
2: I,
4: you know, I, I get what you're saying um, with what you like in ECW and. Even what you like in a match, you know. Um, I think Sabu, as as a whole, is a very subjective type of, of of act. You know, you're either gonna be really into, oh look at what he's doing, isn't that amazing? Or you're gonna see see it as you know. And and I'm not trying to sort of be belittle him, but how I see it as he is one of the problems of the things with ECW where it is and now what are you going to do
1: I don't think this was uh, that though mm. I I don't think this was that I don't know that there was any, you know. I feel like Sabu got a lot more out of the crowd by doing the same amount over a longer period of time. There was more, there's more time between each spots, um, and equally, like I said, this match went 13 minutes. hackmire has got, you know, more than his fair share of offense in. Very even match, a very unsabu-like match, I would say as well. Um and I, I think that showed in in the crowd reception too, and I think they did a tremendous job getting Hack Myers over by the end of it. Um a, a guy that you know right, he lost, he lost clean as a sheet but he was very competitive.
2: Yeah, I, I I would concur more on the side of of Bob's thinking. I I I I I think the trick one thing that you meant you touched on Bob I thought was really a really good point, um, was you know that Paul Heyman has has, has led us to believe that Sabu is the world's greatest wrestler. I think in In all honesty, Paul Heyman has sort of uh, he, he's he's done such a good job that the ecw crowd consider it, it, the, the card that they are seeing to be the best roster and best you know the, the, it's the best uh, card they've seen. He he does so well to hype these things up, um, and to sort of put these guys on a pedestal. But that's not to take away from the talent of a lot of them. Um, and I, I I you could argue say all of them because you know there's no smoke without fire. Um, but I thought I did I did think this match flowed better than the usual Sabu match, and I think that's where I was coming from when I said that um it it, it didn't feel like a spot fest. It felt like a proper match. And I think that's probably what you, what you were alluding to, Bob, when you said it sort of had an extra few minutes involved, and um, Hack Myers was given enough chance to, to, to be to be put over as well. So no, I, I thought it, I thought it was good. So I, I guess we we'll just have to uh, sort of agree to, to disagree on that. And, and,
1: and two guys of very different sizes, whose styles I would say meshed slightly better than I would have expected. I know big guy, small guy can work, but. You know, sometimes you know, you often get big guy who's you know big but doesn't have enough power or enough mobility, and the small guy who isn't big enough to be believable. I thought whether that was true or not, both guys did really well to not you know to to cover for that fact too. But yeah, as I say, I, you know, maybe I, I'm overpraising this match, but I really enjoyed it. Do you want to discuss Sabu, Tom? Sorry, I know I cut you yeah, off. Yeah, sure.
2: Sorry, I was just going to see if you guys had anything else to say. But, yeah, I was just going to touch on Sabu. You know, obviously he's had his uh, short, very, very short stint down at WCW. And um, I'd just like to get your thoughts on on what we see as his future. I think this is a one-night deal um, for Sabu. So I think, unless, unless I'm completely reading this the wrong way, I, I think we're – we know that he's going to come back to ECW. Um, I think I certainly thought when he went to WCW that it was a mistake. I think that's been proven. Um, but what, what do we think of the learnings uh, that, 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 that Sabu, ECW, and to an extent, not that it's really relevant to this podcast, WCW can take um, from from his move down there? Um, and, and what can they take from that to apply moving forwards? Chris? I
4: think... Um... We'll, we'll sort of get them it in a, sort it of, in a row. Obviously, the easiest one here is the WCW. Um, they may now look at it as once bitten twice shy at any of the ECW talent on the basis of, you
1: know... It, it is worth they... saying that they are very happy with Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko. Um, not that we should necessarily group them all in as the four guys that came out of ECW. Benoit, Guerrero, and Malenko certainly have a... Uh, a track record of work outside of there as well um, but yeah if, if we are going to take those as a quartet ECW are very happy with the other three of them particularly Guerrero and well, Benoit now who's in the Fort Horseman
4: see uh, I'm, the thing is he um, when you look at Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko they are more you know they've worked in Japan you know they've worked in Mexico whereas Sabu is more of an ECW
1: Sabu's worked Japan
4: I know he has been out in Japan, but, you know, he is more known as ECW than the rest of his worldly adventures. Um, I think WCW may look at any of the people that are more ECW creations, as to say, say a, a Taz, a Tommy Dreamer, a Mikey Whitbrack, so people like that of ilk, that they may go, can they do as they're told for TV shows? Can they, you know, turn up on time? Can they keep to their time cues? Will will they stay in the ring and do as we expect them to do? Are they going to be a bit more cautious now on giving these guys chances?
1: Well, I'm sorry to cut you Chris, but I mean, they have also offered the public enemy deal this month as well. I, I can't disagree with your rationale, but um the early evidence is they may be alright with it. I, I think that I I don't know that I think they might I, I, honestly from a WCW perspective, Chris Karen, I said I honestly don't think they'll give a fuck. I think they'll just go, yeah, he, he wasn't good enough um for all the reasons that we think. Um, he's a he's a small time worker and that's it. I honestly don't think WCW would have looked at him and thought, yeah, know, when he left the door, God, we let someone go there that we might later live to regret. I think they'll just go fuck it, it, didn't work, forget about him. That's just me on WCW front. Karen, Chris,
4: they, as you said that might be how they're looking at it. Um, him for Sabu himself, I think for America, he he needs ECW. Because if he can't sort of live in the boundaries of WCW, he has got not a chance going at the WWF. Um, Vince will not take any of his shit. I, I, you know, that would seriously not be accepted there. And he would probably be taken to wrestling court on that sort of behavior. Um so, other than maybe you know spending a bit more time in Japan and maybe splitting his time between New Japan and ECW, I think that's pretty much now where he's going to have to make his money.
2: Yeah, I I I I think I, I agree with you with both of you on 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 individual points. I I think that the one thing that confuses for me is with, with WCW. I, I I was just thinking to myself, what did they expect? like when when they took sabu on what what did they think that he was going to to give them that he didn't give them because he basically took took the Sabu act and did it in wCW now whether they thought they saw the talent that he could they could sort of tweak it slightly and calm him down and you know do do most of his work in the ring I, I don't see how that's possible because yeah, the...
1: I mean, I suppose there is a point if you're giving a guy time cues and he's not meeting them that's not saying that sabu's ever going to have, have it have had an issue with an ECW um and also yeah i mean i i guess you expect a wild card but equally you know you probably think well look we're giving you instructions we expect you to follow them to a point i mean yeah i know what you mean tom though you 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 picked up a a a rebellious type act and then you've kind of got a bit confused when he started rebelling like yeah i know what you mean
2: yeah and i just get the impression that if if let's say they'd given him six months or you know as an extension a year and they've gone, look, we, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. I just get the impression they asked him, he said no, and they went, well, fuck you then, you're going back.
1: And and for for it. what it's worth, he did only sign a 90 day contract and it did just expire. Um, that's, yeah. that's basically the, the beginning and end of it. It's not a case of he had a big long contract and they, they cut it short or anything like that. He, he went in for 90 days, as did the other three actually. Um, although given what they're doing with the other three, I, I, I can't imagine they'll, they'll, they'll not renew those um but yeah it was a 90 day deal and they got to the end of it and they didn't want to bring it back
2: okay okay so next we'll move on to our main event which is terry funk and tommy dreamer versus cactus jack and raven cactus and raven come to the ring and cactus is wearing a dungeon of doom t-shirt which is amazing for so many Uh, reasons I, I, i want one i uh, I'll, i get two. I'll, I'll wear, I'll wear them at the same time. I thought that was so funny, so cool, and just, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll stop praising Cactus Jacket that, that much. To,
1: to be clear, when we say Dungeon of Doom t-shirt, this was a t-shirt with cartoon drawings of Taskmaster, uh, Zodiac, uh, the Shark. It wasn't just like a Dungeon of Doom written on it. It was all four, like the four main Dungeon of Doom acts kind of drawn on. It was superb.
2: Yeah, and I just got the impression that Cactus had done it. I'm sure this isn't what happened, but I got the impression that he was backstage drawing it before the match. And I just, think, I just think it, his, his character is just amazing, and I, I just think that's so, that's so funny to do something like that. And, and you know, if that was in the WWF uh, marketing machine, I bet they'd make that T-shirt, and you bet your bottom dollar there'd be a lot of people that wear it as well. Um, unfortunately, ECW don't have the money to do that. Um, but anyway, m- moving past the Dungeon of Doom T-shirt. Um, Dreamer and Funk take the upper hand initially in the fight uh, as it moves to the outside. They brawl on the floor and Funk whacks a chair across Cactus' head before brilliantly throwing it into the ring and smacking Raven directly on the back of his. The crowd love that. Stevie Richards is out to assist Raven as Funk empties a trash can into the ring with all sorts of goods on show. We see a speed limit sign used and Funk and Dreamer wheel Stevie into the ring post while he sits inside a shopping trolley. Dreamer in one of the most awkward and painful spots I think I remember seeing in ECW takes a VCR machine from the audience and bounces it off Raven's head. I I say bounce it because he hits him with it and it literally bounced off his head and it's made of metal. It was horrible to watch, but weirdly funny and uh, amusing. Um, Funk lays into cactus with a snow shovel. Yep, this is ECW. The VCR is then officially broken over Raven's head and we have complete chaos on our hands. Golf clubs, cheese graters and a toilet seat. A chair is then used, which, to be honest, seems slightly dull by this point. Raven is heavily bleeding from his head. Cactus stabs away at Funk's arm and Dreamer hits a DDT. Raven then spits on Dreamer and hits a DDT of his own. Dreamer attempts to come back, but to no avail. Cactus then reveals his second T-shirt, which says, forgive me, Uncle Eric, and has again a drawn image of Eric Bischoff on the front of it. Again, amazing. Terry Funk's now bleeding as his Dreamer, and it's not long before Cactus is as well. Tommy lifts the Bishop shirt, the Bishop shirt, a lot um, onto Jack's face and pummels Eric in his face. He then hits er- Eric very hard in the head with a steel chair. Um, Cactus hits Funk with a double arm DDT onto the chair. This chaos continues, uh, but there is no referee to make the three count when it's needed. Taz and Fonzie hit the ring and put the boots to Funk. The referee finally awakens and Tommy hits two DDTs and a pile driver on Raven. Cactus distracts Tommy and Funk gets the pin on Raven instead. Your winners, Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk. So that is, uh, in my opinion, uh, a, a very good main event, a, a very enjoyable main event. Um, and I think those types of matches, they can be pretty uh, all over the place not really have uh, much flow to them and, and really feel disjointed. But I thought this was a lot of fun and I, I really, really enjoyed this. So I won't break it down too much at this stage. I'll go over to you two for your thoughts. So, Chris?
4: It was surprisingly violent on the fact of how I expected it to go with Jack doing sort of the whole month going into this with him doing the rest old wrestling and like the super non extreme stuff I'm I was really expecting him to sort of pull that out of the bag and to see this fucking shit storm of violence was great. You know the snow shovel golf clubs and the video player, you know, that's one way of getting that video back out of the video player that we got stuck. Is <laughs> the thing is, the head.
2: The thing is, uh, someone someone has actually brought that to the arena, and I just I just think that's amazing. Like, you know, they have security at the door. What's that? What's that in your pocket? Uh, it's a it's a VCR. Oh yeah, in you go. Yeah, all
4: right. bring it in. Yeah, you know, it it's that sort of. It was ECW extreme style hardcore at its best, and done by four of the best people in that style and as as a feud end well if it does end you may still carry on but uh, as a culmination of what's been going on in ECW TV and other shows for the past six or seven months the Tommy and Raven thing that's been going and then to have Cactus being brought in it just worked so, so well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agreed. Two for two. Bob?
1: Well, I suppose that if you are going to create some sort of like bootleg video of the show, one way to do it will be to bring a literal VCR into the uh, building, uh, and then some sort of, uh, recording equipment as well. Um, I, I wasn't quite as high on this match as you two. That's not to say I didn't like it. It just felt really sluggish um i think say the histrionics with cactus jacks two t-shirts which was undeniably brilliant um this i, I didn't love it it was you know it's it just too slow i mean i guess it i guess it fits in that you're having this kind of like barroom type brawl you're using whatever you can get your hands on i just don't like that stuff. You know, I, I don't particularly like watching people fight in a bar. I didn't particularly like this. It just didn't move quickly enough for me. Um. So, yeah, I, I, again, kind of flipping back to the match before. Objectively, I it's pretty good. Subjectively, I wasn't all that keen on it.
2: Yeah, no, I think it is all relative with 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 things like this, and also uh, ECW is relative because I think everybody has their favourite type of match that you get in ECW because well, obviously we had the the classics of Melenko and Guerrero uh, a couple of months ago, um, and we've also had some howlers as well. But everyone's got their favourite type, and everyone's got their favourite guys. Uh, and I think you know me me personally, Cactus Jacks, my he's my arguably he's certainly my top three workers in, in pro wrestling in the world at the moment, and I think that makes me biased. But I did I did enjoy it and I felt that I know you say it was it it was it was a bit sluggish Bob I mean it came in at 13 minutes which wasn't you know the longest match of the night Um, but I I appreciate what you're saying in a match when there is actually no wrestling and and there's not much of a story being told when it's just random props being used that can sometimes uh, you know leave you feeling like you're just seeing random spots and it's just a case of you know what's next but that's that's something that we we've 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 heard that term used quite a few times tonight haven't we? so uh, in terms of individual takeouts from this, I mean, you know, the, the, the end was obviously done um, to uh, continue the fact that Tommy Dreamer ha- hasn't pinned Raven to this stage. Uh, I thought that was quite clever, um, you know, and Cactus distracted him. So that's that continues their, their sort of feud. Um, and that is something that has been going on for a long time, hasn't it, Bob? I'm not sure how long exactly, but is it that he's never pinned him?
1: yeah um raven arrived in, in in january uh we we've had a few kind of close calls where Raven pinned him at one point, and then uh sorry, I think drew did pin at one stage, and then Bill alfonso came out and said that doesn't count for for x reason um it's been going so long i presume now we we wait until dreamers chasing raven for the e c w title I would think that's that's probably the logical place to have that moment would be <clears throat> you know we, we talked last month about ecw being on pay-per-view if that's in a year's time um that's probably the logical main event is that you go in raven as champion Dreamer chasing and that's where you have him finally pin raven for the first time win the title
2: yeah i i think that sounds like a, that sounds like an absolute uh what well, has to be the plan you would think and that will be a big payoff, um, because these guys have fought more times than I care to remember, and I don't even watch as much ECW as a lot of people, including you don't. Um so yeah, Chris, any other thoughts on the on the on the match or any of the any of the guys involved? Um
4: as as you were saying, obviously, you know, the whole Raven and Tommy thing will carry on. Um and to be fair, it's one of those feuds that I can I can do with more of the same. Um I, I look forward to seeing where we're going to go from this, and see what's sort of going to come out next.
1: For, for what it's worth, I think Terry Funk's probably going away for a while. He only did this match as kind of a, a make way um, for uh, for the fans after what happened at the show last month. Uh, I think Terry Funk's to be taking some time off. Um, so yeah, I imagine he will be leaving this the, the, this program at this stage. For, for what that's worth.
2: Right, yeah, and I think the the, um, the R word was uh, put about um, in terms of Funk, but I think, by the look of him, he, he still looks good to go to me, and he's certainly not at any age where I expect well, it to happen anytime soon. Funk was retiring in
4: 1989 when he lost to Flair at Clash of the Champions 5.
2: Yeah, well, well That exactly. didn't last. Point, point, point made, yeah. OK, so, uh, chaps, that was the, the main event. Um, that was the show. So um, let's just get some overall thoughts um, on, on uh, November to Remember 95 um, and, and a score rating out of 10, please. Uh, I know we've touched on a number of things at the moment, so let's just keep this as a, uh, a high-level uh, review. Uh, Chris, over to you first.
4: Um, this, as said earlier on, is probably the, the best show of the year, as, as a whole show you know it doesn't have match of the year con- contenders on it for uh, you know what I've seen of the classic wrestling of ECW um, but as a overall show and an overall event it I would say it's probably the best ECW put out this year
2: ok and a score out of 10 big nines big nines wow ok Bob over to you
1: yeah, um you know, it, it, w- w- we do these scores, that I, I think, it, 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 you know, I kind of do note this when we do the clash, you know, it is probably on a slightly different scale, say, to a, uh, a full-blow But yeah, this is, this is ECW variety at its best. You know, towards the end there, we had kind of some, some ranging opinions on, on, on kind of the styles that we liked and disliked. But I think there, you know, in, in that far, that back seven matches, there are, Two or three matches for just about every type of wrestling fan. Uh like a proper variety show. Uh I thought Saboon Hakmars was really, really good. Um no like there there's no bad thing on this show really. Uh I gave it eight and a half.
2: Oh I didn't realise we did half, so I think you're copping out a bit there, Bob, uh to be honest with you. Um, it's well, my
1: my show, mate. I make the rules. I, 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 <laughs> I, in, in fact, for for that, I'm going to give it an eight point six. There we go.
2: Oh, <laughs> do me a favour with your eight point six. Okay, well, okay, well, I think we can go three for three on on this being, um, you know, I, I, again not not having watched loads, but this is my favourite ECW uh, show, um, start to finish. That includes all the hardcore TV's that I've watched and all the all the live events. Um, the favourite one I've watched. Uh, I thought it flowed really well. I was never bored, um, and there wasn't a bad match in it, in my opinion. Um, and when you compare that to some of the absolute DOS, or dross, I should say, that WCW and WWF are putting out this year, um, I think there's there's a lot of credit to be given there.
1: I was going to say that this will, I, when we do our, our, our end-of-year review, uh, end-of-year awards next month, um, because we do show of the year rather than pay-per-view of the year, I think this is going to win it. Um, and that doesn't say a lot. And admittedly, we've got Starcade to come. I can't see In Your House Five being all that special. Uh, Starcade might get there. Um, but yeah, other than that, this is this is the best three hours of, of, of one show I've watched this year um, in terms of. Nothing objectionable, you know. I'd say six. Sorry to cut you off, Tom, but yeah, you know, just a, a number of really good matches. Um, but yeah, in terms of an end-of-year awards, I expect this will win it unless Starcade turns up next month.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess just just to round off my review, I, I, I would give it a nine as well. And I think the only reason why, or sorry, sorry I, I should say, the way that it could have become a ten would have been if there was a classic match on on the card, which there wasn't, and that. You know, sort of defines what what makes a, a card a ten out of ten rather than anything else. I um, think if but- you'd
4: have dropped the deathmatch stipulation in the psychosis ray match, I mean that would have made it the big ten.
1: It would have needed, yeah. needed a bit longer as well. That went what eleven minutes, um, and that that was that wasn't all that close to being as good as their first match. I don't think. Um, I don't know that you drop the stipulation that that becomes an instant classic, uh, because equally as we've spoken before, if you're gonna have this, if you're gonna have a match better, you have to top the one you did before. Like you, if you have a match that's as good as the one before, it isn't quite seen to be as good as the one before because it's it's following it. Um, so I think it, for those two to have had a classic, they'd have had to have gone a couple of levels above what they did, and given that Mysterio I think was carrying an injury. I, I, I don't know that the stipulation would, would have been it on its own.
2: Yeah, OK, and I, I guess I'll just conclude by saying that I would like Cactus Jack to open up his very own T-shirt store uh, and I will buy everything that he makes and puts out. So that wraps up the November to Remember 1995 review.
5: Hi fans, it's Cactus Jack. You know, you know, today it's just Mick Foley speaking from the heart about the things that have gone on here the past several months, and well, I feel like somehow we've undergone a small misunderstanding, because I, when I think about what's gone on and the, the feelings that have been hurt, including mine, and I know Tommy has suffered some personal injury, and Terry Funk also, well, it hurts me. And, and I feel like I can talk to you fans because I am hardcore. Because even when I was with different other wrestling organizations, the hardcore fans seemed to gather around me because I was hardcore. And we seem to have more than just a fan-wrestler relationship. Now, I'm not going to be with you people this next coming show, although I'd like to because I have commitments elsewhere. But I'd like to feel that I could be there in spirit. I'd like to feel that I could help. And so I'm going to go out on a line here and and ask you for a personal favor. and I know I I don't deserve it because of my actions, but I'd like to just, just start all over and tell you fans, I think part of the problem is, well, it's Tommy, and it stems from a very good part of his heart where he wants nothing else but to make you fans happy. And I know how it used to hurt him when you called him names and said he wasn't hardcore and... I think he's gone over the edge trying to prove you wrong and I think it's reached a point where, you know, he's suffering some moral and physical consequences for his action. And I'd like to see that stop. I and mean, you have the power to do that, ECW fans, by just, you know, not encouraging hardcore behavior because I know Tommy and deep down he's a nice, sensitive kid, and he'd no sooner hit someone with a frying pan than I would you know hurt a harmless animal and I don't want to hurt animals and I know Tommy doesn't want to hurt people so when you go out there and he goes out there Tommy's got some darn good amateur skills and I think that it's about time he started showing them and I think it's time that the fans accept accepted Tommy for the sweet sensitive guy he can be and not this this guy who's trying to hurt me and and he dragged the hardcore out of me because I am hardcore. And and, and now we're at a, a place where everything's in its place. I'm hardcore. I think we're back to where we used to be, where the fans accept me and, and kind of forgive me for some of the things I might have said. And so just in conclusion, just don't encourage Tommy. And I think that we'll all be a lot better off. So until next time, let's put up those fingers. Bang, bang!
1: And thank you very much, to Tom, for stepping into uh, m- my boots for, uh, for for that bulk of the show. Not a lot to um, t- to cover TV-wise in the final two weeks of the month. Essentially, it was. Uh, I think four matches from the show we just covered. Of the major matches, we didn't see Sabu and Myers, and I don't think we saw uh, Whitbreck and Austin uh, or the main event. Uh, yeah, but we certainly got the the, the bulk of the big matches from from the show we just seen. Only two things of note really from from the uh, from the TV. First of all, was Um, We saw a match between uh, Rey Mysterio and uh, Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, I think that was actually happened prior to uh, November to remember. Um, The stipulation was if Mysterio beat Whipwreck, then Mysterio would get the title shot. That um, Sam Man ended up winning. Basically, that stipulation wouldn't have been involved in that tag match had Mysterio pinned Whitwreck. He didn't. Whitwreck won that match. That was quite good. Uh, they showed kind of fan cam footage of that almost. Uh, and the other real note—it wasn't really much of a note—was we had a big long montage of promos at the end of the 28th show, and Cactus Jack did seem quite remorseful and quite happy and in holiday mood, uh, holiday mode, and uh, in a mood to be joyful, see around Thanksgiving and all of that, and he. Was, you know, being quite cheery for what that's worth um, so that really covers that uh, we have one real talking point um this month before we finish um, which is the future of the public enemy uh, as we alluded to during our review strip well, stripped strict uh, lost the tag titles um, and are being kind of speaking with both the wf and wcw um Tom, i guess the question is um where would you, which company would you rather see them in
2: I don't mean to be clever, but neither. Um, I don't think that going by, and we touched on it earlier, the example of Sabu, um, there is much of a path that has been uh, laid for Public Enemy to follow. Um, what I would say about them is that a tag team are more easily um, included in a roster because um, you can. There isn't as much focus on each on each individual.
1: Yeah, you can you create something that's greater than some of its parts, which I think in the Public Enemies case is is pretty much the definition of what they are.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think as a, as a team, and I, I I don't I don't I don't know for for sure, but I'm not sure if they're going to keep the name. I think their name is a fantastic tag team name, and I think that's really uh, that's really got you know for the characters they portray that really uh, helps them along. Um, but I think. I'd like to say that I think they'll do quite well, but I don't think they're going to do really well. What I actually think is going to happen is that they're going to fail. Um, and I think that for them, um, that they're going to want more more money. They're going to want more regular work. So for them, I can totally see why they're doing it. Um, I just don't have the confidence that, that, that either company will know how to handle them or how best to use them. Certainly not down at WCW. Uh, but within the current landscape, I don't really think they fit in it either. Um, for the same reasons that we touched on with Sabu earlier, really.
1: Chris, same question. I would
4: say, with the other people they would work with, I would probably put them in WCW, because you can put them in walking brawls with the likes of the Nasty Boys, with the likes of Harlem Heat, and you can cover their shortfalls Obviously, you're not going to use the table spots that they use in the ECW, but WCW would be an easier place to cover their shortfalls. Um, WWF needs tag teams. WWF needs to definitely sort of boost that tag team roster because what have you got? You've got the Smoking Guns, and that's about it, really. You know, they're they're not sort of brimming with with tag tag talent, so any new faces would be beneficial there but the style of match they would be able to have i think they they'd fit better with what's in wcw than what's in wwf
1: yeah um i i I would agree pretty much everything you said chris i think in terms of um I don't know whether that, that style of walking broad tag match we're ever likely to see much of in, in WCW. I mean, you go back to kind of last March, last April when, when the Nasty Boys and Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan and Max Payne were having that series of really good tag matches and then WCW went, ah, we, we'd rather not the violence. Um, that being said, we did have, uh, so I suppose that, that match, um, uncensored, um, that, um, sterile, um, Street fight, uh, which is, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but go back and watch that. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I would, I would still like to see these guys face the nasty boys. I think even in a, even in an in-ring tag match, I feel like if they gave them enough freedom, not necessarily to do violent stuff, but just to, enough time and all four guys are motivated enough to go up there and have a proper brawl, I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, and equally on the wwf side of things uh i completely agree there are there aren't many tactics out there uh they'd go in and you imagine they'd get focused on pretty soon you would think um whereas in wcw maybe there would be a bit more time um but yeah no i, I think i'm I, I i'm in agreement that I, I would rather see them in wcw i think there's, there's a bit more opportunity there long term um billy creek both guys are pretty old now they ain't got that long left um, and there is also the thought that a bit like we said with Sabu earlier, in that Paul Heyman is very good at taking an act that's not great and making them look. You know, Paul Heyman's great at shining shit in in, in many ways. Um, not not any not any C W act shit, but he, he's best at getting a lot out of uh, very limited resources. Um, I think whoever ends up signing them, if they do indeed leave, I think they're going to find out quite quickly these guys are more limited than they perhaps realise. Um, but equally, like you know, it's not to say these guys couldn't change. It's just whether um, you know Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge outside of this Public Enemy. Yeah, I talk about some of their parts. Whether you take away the tag team element of their game, is the way they dress, their name, their look, their style. And you put these two into a different gimmick, I don't know that it works. Uh, Tom, any more to add on anything me and Chris said? No, well,
2: I, I was just thinking, imagine the match we would have in our hands if somehow Paul Lee managed to pull, up, pull it off and get the nasty boys down to ECW.
1: Oh man. Uh,
2: no, I mean that would be that's the main event right there. It would be awesome. Um, and that's when you think about that, and then you think about okay, let's imagine Public Enemy versus the Nazis and WCW. That alone tells you about how good of a move it is for me, uh, for these guys um, in terms of their in terms of their their work ethic.
1: Um, I think I think them versus the Heat would be a lot of fun too, even even in a a more. That's what I mean. I think if you look at, I said there's opportunity in WWF. There's opportunity in the sense that there's not many other people between them and the Smoking Guns, but there's not many teams they've got to work with now. We talk about WWF this month having, you know. Fewer shows, fewer dates, a shrinking roster. Um, in many ways, I'm quite surprised WF are even talking to them, given that they, they could probably do with strengthening in other areas. Um, but yeah, you, you look at the, the, the list of tag teams WCW have got and the potential tag teams they could form. Um, yeah, it, it, it could be a lot of fun. Chris, Chris, anything more?
4: No, I think we sort of pretty much sort of said it all with, you know, where would be best for them. The only thing I would just say is, if, a, you split these two up, or drastically change the gimmick. Obviously, you know there may be some rights issues with calling them the public enemy and keeping the name Flyboy and Rocker Rock and coming out to Hot Obviously, that would have to go for WWF and WCW. Though WCW would probably find some way of having Hot Stepper but changing it slightly in a different key or something. Um, they need to be this as public enemy you can give it a different name, you could call them you know, the hoodlums or something like that it's fine, but they need to be this, you couldn't put them in for argument's sake cowboys and make them smoking guns mark 2, it would never work, they have to be
2: the hoodies
1: make them the rockers
2: (laughs) ah copyright
1: The, the new rockers.
2: The new rockers. The the new but old rockers.
1: Yeah. The, the older rockers.
2: Yeah. The rockers that can still rock.
1: Out of shape. Yeah. No, I'm going for that. Um, but yeah. No, I, I think it'll be interesting how this develops. Uh, I think in the short term, Paul Heyman wants to keep hold of them. Just, yeah, there's a few guys that are kind of halfway out the door. Another guy that we didn't really mention, but Cactus Jack is, Sort of having some preliminary discussions with WWF, uh, I think Paul Heyman wants to kind of... He doesn't want these guys to leave abruptly as much as he's taken the tag titles off the public enemy. He wants to tell a story on them on their way out, I think, in terms of, say, Guerrero and Malenko, who left fairly sharpish, Uh what happened with Sabu, I think, for the sake of his own storytelling and for the sake of his own audience, I think he wants to be able to tell a a proper kind of leaving arc for these guys We'll see how that goes anyway that's
4: the problem with not having people under contracts you can't guarantee that sort of thing exactly
1: -hmm. exactly. anyway that will wrap up this month's show firstly Chris Lacey thank you very much Chris
4: you're welcome Bob
1: Uh, Chris promote your wrestling podcast
4: as we all know now I am the co-host of Super Rules, we are just about to finish 1990 of WCW um, with some magic tricks at Halloween 1990 with the Black Scorpion. Yes, it's as bad as it sounds, um, but you have to watch it just to see how bad it can be. Um, you can find us on Twitter at SuperBrawls, on Facebook at SuperBrawls, and if you look on the iTunes, we're there too just search SuperBrawls and if you want to hear my random rants about football, wrestling current products and gigs that I'm going to you can follow me on Twitter at lacy 555666
1: uh, Chris, uh wh- how long are we going to be before I can get on your show and review BattleBowl93, because I'm, I'm giddy for that
4: well, seeing the fact that it was we hit the year anniversary in April, no, August, and that was when we finished the eighty. So we've done pretty much a year in four months. So you're two years away, so about eight months. We'll get there
1: next summer. Excellent.
4: So uh, ne- around next summertime, you can come and join us for Battle Bowl.
1: Carve out a uh, carve out evening to review. Oh, that's a show. Uh Tom Tom Martin, thank you very much for uh well, partly doing my job, but uh for 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 appearing on the show. Thank you, Tom.
2: That's a pleasure, Bob. Absolute pleasure, mate.
1: Uh you are on Twitter.
2: I am indeed, yeah. Mark Out Martin, that's with a Y.
1: Excellent. You'll be hearing from Tom next, I think, on the UFC show we'll be doing uh I thought we're recording that next weekend, aren't we? I've got to watch that. Uh, Yeah. Um um so we've got to uh got to get, get get around to that at some point uh yeah just just quickly we, we re the show generally about four times um so thank you to um both uh uh the reason the reason tom ended up doing the match review was that we subbed tom in and i didn't have time to go and re-watch the show to do what i needed to do to properly present it so tom came in and then thankfully did my job fine which was good um so yeah a little bit all over the place next month we've got like a but like, if it, 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 you've got to the end of this show, having listened to the other two, uh, we've got a buttload of shows for you next month. I think we're doing five. It was going to be six. Um, but we, we've cut one of the end-of-year review shows. We've still got the awards on the end. Uh, but anyway, uh, just to go through my own wrap-up, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Bobby Bamber. You can find the podcast on Twitter, uh, at Wrestling20YRS. Uh, we're on Facebook.com, slash Wrestling20YRS. Uh, iTunes, RSS, emails, or the website. And that's been it. So I've been, but, 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 Bobby Bamba, uh this has been, I, I, I almost opened with that, but I thought people are going to think it's too weird, so I'll think up there. at the uh, end. I have been Bob Bamber. This has been uh, Volume 3 of the November 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.